Father, I thank you uh, that we can cast aside, uh, Lord, all the distractions that would seek to crowd in on us, and we can just come before God in prayer. We can come before the one who alone is Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, we, we want to be in the right place in our hearts now, so Lord, we settle down in your presence, and in this moment of quietness, we say, Lord, may my heart be in tune with your heart. May my spirit be open to your spirit. May I, my ears be open to your word. And may this time truly be a time of worship and praise and thanksgiving to our great God. We give you, Lord, permission to speak into our very lives today. We confess, Lord, we are sinners in practice and in deed and in word. But we thank you, Lord, for the cleansing power of the precious blood of the Lamb. And we ask for that cleansing now for this whole body of people that have gathered together, that we may truly be in the very presence of God this morning. And everybody said, Amen. We're going to stand and sing the first of our worship praises, which is 10,000 reasons. I'm sure there's many more, but we have 10,000 reasons today to gather and sing praises to him.
we may have changed. We've got a little bit older than the last time we met. Our circumstances may have changed. But we come to the one who's ancient of days, who never changes. And that's who my life is invested in tonight. And his life is invested in me. Our God is the ancient of days.
Father, as we come around your throne, Lord, we thank you that your, God, your throne stands forever. Lord, as we've read in your word, as we've pondered it over the last number of weeks in the book of the Revelation, Lord, your, your throne is forever. You stand, you are, uh, you're stable, Lord. You're, you're, you stand strong against the wiles of the enemy and the, those that oppose the very name of God. Lord, uh, in this day, whenever the kingdoms that men have built are crumbling to the ground, Lord, whenever situations are pressed in upon us, whenever, Lord, we feel as if everything's out of control, we thank you that our God still stands forever sure. He's sovereign, Lord, and in absolute control of every circumstance and situation. And dear Father, in this gathering today, there may be those whose lives are crumbling around them. Lord, perhaps there, there are situations that they didn't expect to experience, Lord, but today they find themselves, Lord, in a place of uncertainty. But, oh God, thank you that our God is the Ancient of Days. His throne will forever stand. And, oh God, we thank you for one that we can, uh, we can bank our very lives and our future upon, for he never changes. Thank you that he is King of Kings, and he is Lord of Lords. He's King of all the kings of the kingdoms of this universe, and he's Lord of all the lords that have sought to raise themselves up against his name. King of Kings, Majesty. Let's sing that song together.
Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask the children to join me up here. We're going to sing a song. And uh, I hear the last time you did it, there were only one or two people in the congregation did any of the actions. So if you don't do the actions, you're going to be up here beside us. All right. Now, the only, the, you, you, if you have a sort of a health uh, cert that you can't do these actions, we'll, we'll accept that. All right. And if those of you who are sitting in the blue badge seats, you know what that is. Uh, if those, you, you don't have to do the actions either. But it's called He That Believeth. And, and see these girls here, they're going to smile and they're going to pull on their crowns. But whenever you get to have them going to walk all around, all right? Now, don't trip over each other. I'm not sure what the insurance will do here. But anyway, we'll see how we get on. He That Believeth, and we'll sing together. We clap your hands at the beginning. All right, come on, pet. Come on. Thank you so much. Oh dear, those youngsters are brilliant, weren't they? Yeah. Amen. It's good to see the youngsters here. Don't be afraid to bring your children out to church uh, and to enjoy the sense of the presence of God. And then we have our Sunday school. So whoever's, and sometimes I think it's fun day school. Don't forget that we do have a Bible class that comes and Simon and Samantha and a few others are involved with that. That happens at half past 10. If you've got anybody up until the age of 16, 15, 16, then Bible classes for them. That happens at half 10, uh, but Sunday school. And then we had the youth club last night. Great sense of God, not, a, hu not a, hu a huge number last night, but a tremendous sense of the Lord. And that's what made the feast last night. And Aaron brought a great word and we're thankful to God for that. And then next Sunday evening, we have our youth fellowship. So those are all uh, investing into young people's lives. We also have a crash facility. We haven't been able to get it manned, but if there are those who would feel they could, get, uh, could man that, we have a crash facility there. But it is available for anybody who feels that their youngsters are making too much noise. It doesn't annoy me so much as it annoys people in, sitting in the congregation. I'll leave you to make that, make that judgment. But nevertheless, there is a crash facility out through the foyer, up the stairs, and you can hear the sound and the picture will be on as well. All right? Boys and girls, off to Sunday school. Where are the teachers? Thank you so much. All right? Oh, Charlotte. That's sweet Charlotte. How you doing, Charlotte? It's a long time no see. Mommy will come and look after you, all right? Mommy! <laughs> Somebody call, somebody's calling Mommy! 
All right, listen, we're going to do our scripture reading first, uh, uh, and, and then we're going to have our communion song. Uh, here's the scripture reading, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, as I was thinking about coming to the table, uh, I was thinking about this great freedom that Christ has bought for us. I, I want you to pray for me because I'm, pray, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a series. As God's, no, I'm not thinking. God's impressing upon my heart a series on freedom, freedom in Christ. Uh, and and uh, I, it's, it's regurgitating, it's ruminating, it's causing a, a sort of like a tornado in my heart. Because uh, I think as far too many of us are bound and fettered, aren't we? And, and we, have the, we have the ability, or the susceptibility maybe, of slipping back into bondage, having been delivered into freedom. Maybe it's because we don't understand what freedom is in Christ. It's not freedom to do whatever you like. It's freedom to live above the passions of your own heart and old life so that you might live for him. And so pray about that, and I'll see if we can get something going on that. But let's read together, first of all, from verse 2, sorry, verse 9 of chapter 2 of Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 9, Colossians says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In other words, it's not according to the old Jewish practical tradition, but of a circumcision of heart. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trans trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in his cross. The Reverend Sam Workman, or Sam Workman as you would probably know him better, uh, was speaking at a mission and I was attending it. I was a young convert at the time. And he referred to this verse about nailing it to the cross. And, and he gave us an illustration of what that really meant. He said there was a time whenever people had a debt and the more that they put down on tick, the more the debt became and the longer the scroll became. He said Christ in one moment in time and in history went in and settled that old account. And said, he said if someone came into that shop or that uh, commercial uh, place uh, establishment and said I must just Trevor Galandres owe. He said I'll settle that debt and the person who was behind the counter who owned the business would take the scroll roll it up and nail it to the doorpost of the house that's what Christ has done for us it's nailed to his cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul that's why you're invited if you know and love the Lord that's why you're uh, required by God, as if you know and love the Lord, to come to the table to give him thanks for what he has done for you. To acknowledge 
that he has paid your debt and that your sins are forgiven and that you are on earth thankful as we will be in eternity, eternally thankful. To help you understand that and to help you uh, embrace those truths, we're going to sing that song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And we'll stand and sing together and survey it personally as we stand and sing, if you are able. Thank you so much.
may be seated. Let's pray together in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the solemn moments that we've just spent reminding ourselves, Lord, and participating in this feast around the table. Lord, it is only an emblem, a symbol of the great feast of God's salvation that you've provided and prepared for us. Thank you for him who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, Lord, our sins are all dealt with. They're all covered, they're all under the blood. And we know of redemption through his name. The Lord is my salvation. Our Father, we want to lift up every need that's represented in this gathering. Lord, I don't know everyone, but you know everyone. And whatever that need might be, dear Father, we pray that you will have a word in season for every individual. Lord, that we will drink from the fountain that never runs dry. Lord, that we'll feast from the manna, from a bountiful supply. God in heaven, we pray that this will be a blessed time in your presence. Lord, where there's those who are sick, we ask God for healing. Lord, where there are those who are confused, we ask for clarity. Where those, Lord, who are facing difficult circumstances, Lord, we pray that, oh God, you will make the crooked place straight and the rough places smooth. Lord, where those who are feeling the poverty of spiritual, spirituality and spiritual condition, Lord, that you will fill them up. Apply the riches of Christ in glory. And, oh God, we pray that there will be those who will have a real encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our Father, we pray for our land. Lord, there is much degradation, oh, so unrest. Lord, we see the streets of the cities of the world marching against your own people. And, oh God, we just live, lift that up before you. Lord, we believe we're living on the edge of end times. We believe, Lord, these are just uh, little green shoots of the reality of the coming of the King uh, very soon to be upon us. Our Father, we pray that we'll open our ears to hear what God is saying. Lord, we'll open our eyes to see what God is doing. Lord, that we'll raise them above what, uh, Lord, uh, wickedness and evil would seek to uh, attend, uh, to arrest our attention on. And we'll hear the voice, the still small voice of God. As he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church today. God grant that you'll open our ears, open our hearts, we pray. That we'll see in this political scene that God is working out his prophetic calendar. And dear God, the, 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 the barometer is, is pointing to his coming. His coming, he's coming again. And dear Father, your word promises that there'll be revival before he returns. And so Father, we're asking for spiritual revival. Lord, spiritual revival in this church, Lord, that it will flow from this hill to this community around us, Father, because we dare not leave the community death and dead and, and, and the doldrums and the ashes of sin and depravity. We long to be those messengers, postmen of the blessing of God to the community. Our Father, we pray, uh, Lord, may this not be uh, heated words, as it were. Uh, may it be the passion and burden of our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that each one of us will, be in, will infect the other for spiritual holiness and godliness and revival. Lord, that we'll forget about ourselves and concentrate on him, Lord, in these coming days. Our Father, as we lift an offering and tithe, Lord, uh, sometimes we feel it gets in the way. But, oh God, we ask that you'll take what we give and use it for your eternal glory. May the kingdom of God be extended and benefited from the sacrificial giving of your people, we pray. And we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. 
Remain seated for the next uh, song whilst an offering and tithe will be taken up. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my salvation.
Amen. You may be seated. It will come up on the PowerPoint, but if you've got a portion of God's Word with you, uh, then we're turning to Isaiah chapter 12. We're reading all of that chapter together. And if you want to know that the title is, we're going to the well. Going to the well. And uh, we're going to read together Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah uh, spoke 800 years before Christ was on this earth. And yet no one was more clear on the sufferings of Christ. And no one was more clear on the benefits of salvation. As he expresses here in chapter 11 and 12 of his prophecy of the blessings of God's salvation. No one was more clear. In fact, you could say a new te- the New Testament is a commentary of everything that Isaiah wrote as he foretold the blessing that God has. And another thing about the blessings of God, God has foretold them, has purposed them, and planned them way back in eternity. And, and he wants us to enjoy, to, to, uh, to uh, delve into, he wants us to tap into the blessings that he has for his church today. Because it's only the blessings of God that is going to meet the nation's needs today. And as she becomes more dark and derelict and damned, I want to tell you, Christ is the only hope. And what we would say about our nation, we would say about our families, what we say about our families, we say about our lives, Christ is our only hope in this day. And I trust that you are tapping into all the benefits and all the blessings that God has for you. If not, we're going to take you to the well. And we're going to ask you to delve into, to tap into that endless resource of God. That you might indeed experience everything that he has for you. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. Before you leave this church, before you leave this service. We want you to tap into his, his uh, resources that he has been purchased for us on Calvary. Let's read together Isaiah chapter 12, and here's how it reads. And you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for, that, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength, my song, and has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Amen. And we trust that the Lord will bless that reading of his word. Now, I borrowed this talk, or I, sorry, I used this talk uh, in a children's meeting once. And I borrowed it from Francis Chan, those of you who have seen it. And I talked to the boys and girls about the fact that the red bit is your life. No matter how long you live, the red bit's your life. Whether it's 10, 15, 20, 30, you'll have seen the Francis Chan uh, talk on YouTube. If you haven't, go and look at it. But as I thought about this great talk that Francis Chan, and by the way, the rest of it's eternity. And it goes on and on and on and on. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will really last. You have that little span of life, that little red bit in the rope. 
but the rest for an, an eternity to regret that you never knew Christ or an eternity to wish you'd have done more for him. However, there is no sadness. But as I thought about this talk, I thought about a good introduction to the message about going to the well. Here's what some people are getting out of God's salvation. That's the rest bit. Uh, rest. That's the, the red bit. But God has much more for us. He has much more for us to experience. What happens is self gets in the way. Self gets in the road. There's an obstacle of self and pride and, and stubbornness and my own ambitions and my own plans. But God has much more. He says, I am able to give you much more than this. I know by the today's standards, my upbringing wasn't the very best. But we never had running water in our home. We had an old well outside. And oftentimes the pump wouldn't work. And so it was one of those hand pumps where you had to pump and pump. But when the water got down too far, you couldn't get water. So you had to resort to a bucket and a rope. And whenever we wanted water for washing ourselves, washer, wanting, wanting washer, water for, for food or to make soup, this is what we went armed with out to the well uh, behind us. And you had to have a knack in throwing in the bucket to get your water because in today's old buckets wouldn't work. Uh, we had an old plastic bucket that I had signed up because I couldn't bring it with me. Or, uh, sorry, I couldn't find a good old metal bucket like this. However, we do have one in store here in the church for harvest. Uh, and, but here's how you had to, as you would uh, seek to get your bucket to drop 20 feet or more into the well. You would have to make sure your bucket was going down and that the lip, sorry, sorry whoever's the caretaker, uh, the lip had to make sure it hit the top of the water so that the bucket would get the scoop of water. And it would uh, pull up the water. And we pull up our water, bucket full of water. What is it that you need today to, to delve into, to tap into, to get a catch of water of the Spirit? Is it a knack? No. What you need today is a hunger. What you need is a thirst. What you need is to realize that you've got the capacity to have more of God you, because of Calvary, because of salvation, because of what Christ has done, he has purchased us wells of living water. Here's what he said to the woman at the well who had spent her life roaming around the world, roaming around the various and breaking up several marriages. And, and the man that she was with, he, she wasn't, he wasn't her husband. Here's what he said. Out of your belly, this woman that was dissatisfied with life, this woman that was dissatisfied with relationships. He says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of life-giving water. And in case I forget to say it today, not only is there water to revive you, not only is there water to restore you, not only is there water to renew your spirit, but there's water enough for you to draw to bring to the communities around us that there might be healing and blessing for them. And if you get nothing out of this message, that's the sum total of what I'm going to say. And in, in, in Isaiah chapter 11 and chapter 12, we are introduced to the day of the Messiah. We all know about the day of the Lord, don't we? The day of great judgment, the day of terrible and fierce uh, judgment on this world, when God will purify his people. But we also know from God's word that there will be the day of the Messiah. Guess what? We're living in the day of the Messiah. 
We're in that day. We're in the day when he's overcome Satan and sin. Well, in, Revel, in, in Isaiah chapter 11, he introduces us to the Messiah. Here's what he says in, in, in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the Lord, of the, uh, in the fear of the Lord. And so it goes on. He speaks about this great Messiah, the one that we know as Jesus Christ, that he will come. Folks, 2,000 years ago, he came. He conquered sin and death, and he opened up the floodgates of heaven so that you and I could enjoy and can drink from the fountain that never runs dry. Interesting then, that whenever we get to Isaiah chapter 12, as he seeks to explore and expand more on what Christ has accomplished, he draws the comparison between them coming out of Egypt and the day of the Messiah. And he throws them alongside and sees this is what he did as he brought them out of Egypt. Because for them it was a new life. It was a new freedom. It was a new horizon. It was a new outlook. There was so much for them. But listen, it only brought them so far. He says what we have in Christ is far more superior. So what are we going to do this morning as we go to the well with our rope in our bucket, our faith, our hunger, and our desire, and an awareness of our capacity? That's our rope in our bucket this morning. We're going to see the comparisons. We're going to draw this parallel because we start, we all start at the same place. The first thing then that I'll say to you, and if you are dry and thirsty today, there's water that will th- quench your thirst and give you a hunger and a longing for more. The basis of our salvation is found there in verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my salvation. We sang it. Interesting that there's a, as already a, a, an outline for a sermon. Those of you who are budding, budding preachers, there are three yeses. He's given me a new song. He is giving me a new... Well, let's read together because I don't think you've been passing much remarks on what I've been saying here. Notice what it says there. He will give you, the Lord is my salvation. He is give, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. And the Lord has become my salvation. Well, when we see the basis of our salvation is Christ. I mean, that doesn't need to be expounded or expanded. But let's go back to Moses' day. And Moses, whenever he met with the Lord, he told, the Lord told them to select a lamb. And the reason that they were to keep this lamb for four days was to, the next day is to scrutinize the lamb. Make sure he had no flaws. The reason that they had to spend four days to get to know this lamb was to see whether there any blemishes in its nature and character and its, and its form and fashion. So they had to select the lamb. Then they had to scrutinize the lamb. And then they had to sacrifice the lamb. And they took the blood of the doorposts and the lintels. And they never put the blood on the threshold. Because there's no trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant. And whenever the angel of death, the consequence of Pharaoh's sin, or to draw the parallel, the consequences of our arrogance and pride and sin, when the angel of death came upon their homes and families, 
If he's seen the blood, and the old hymn says, when I, the Lord, shall see the blood, I will pass over you. The basis of it, but notice how Isaiah writes these words, you shall. Because in those days, the father was responsible to get the children and the family into the house. Mind you, that's still the father's responsibility. It is still our responsibility to make sure that our families are brought up, at least to acknowledge and understand Christ and what he's done for us. So often it's put in the wife and the mother. And sad to say that's often the case whenever the wife and the mother is the only spiritual being in the house. But in reality, God's plan was that the men would gather the father, the parents would gather the children. The children were there probably out of duress, wondering what was going to happen, but they were gathered in in security and safety. But when it comes to Isaiah's picture, it's not a collective. The Lord has become my salvation. It's what he has done for me. He has put a new song in my mouth. He's put a new strength in my soul. Notice it said, the Lord is my strength. That's what will give you the ability for an alteration of life. And the song is what will give you the new attitude of life. A new attestation to God's life in you is salvation. You know, as I thought about this this morning, Christ has become my salvation. When he was buried, listen carefully, when he was buried, when he died, and when he was buried into the judgment of God on sin and on degradation, he took with him your sin and mine. He took with him your curse and mine. He took with him Satan. And when he rose again from the dead, he left sin buried. He left the curse buried. And he left curse buried. And therefore we now know freedom in Christ. Not give you a hallelujah in your heart. But folks, as I thought about this this morning, just very, very briefly I want to explain this because I'm in the hub of evangelicalism here in Kulibeke, aren't I? You don't need me to come to the very heart of the heartthrob of the salvation. My dear friend, you don't need me to come. You've heard millions of times of what Christ has done. You know and you've heard many times of what salvation means and the cost that it was for Christ today in your place. Haven't you? Who hasn't heard the gospel? You don't need me to come to the Bible belt to expand and explain the basis of our salvation is on Christ the solid rock I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. Whenever he went into the ground, he took sin, hell and death and now my dear friend, he left them buried and he rose again triumphant over sin, hell and death. Do you know what will damn people in eternity? Do you know what will be the common question at the white throne? What did you do with Jesus? I felt it greatly impressed upon my heart this morning that I should pose that question, even though you may have taken communion, even though you may be a member of Kulabaki Elam Church, or you may be an associate, or even though you may not necessarily hang your coat in any particular church or any particular hanger, my dear friend, though you may name the name of Christ, can I ask you, and I ask this with passion, and I ask this with sincerity, what have you done with Christ? 
What have you done with him? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Do you love him? Do you know what will be the greatest cause of shame in eternity for those that are lost? It will be that they are known as Christ rejectors. Oh, never planned, never intended to reject Christ. In fact, they always intended one day that they were going to make Christ their Lord and Savior. Always had intended that he would be their Lord, but they just never got to it because there was too much life to live. There were too many things to be concerned about. There were too many bits of life, the little red bits that they wanted to live, that they hadn't time for Christ. They thought that they could find satisfaction in the world. And that's what you got. And you missed out on that. Or you forgot that. You forgot that. And leave that hanging there so that you can see it. I've got an evangelist heart. That song always resonates in my heart. We dare not leave them lost alone. We want them over there. And I know that we're here in the worship service. And I know we're here to delve into the wells of salvation. But you have to start at Christ. And end with Christ. And nothing else. I ask you again. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? If Christ... These thoughts were pouring into my heart. If Christ is the song of heaven that we've been listening to on Thursdays, if he, if he is the, the one that is worthy, thou art worthy. If he's the one that we sing the song redeemed, how I love, if he's the song of the redeemed, then throughout all eternity he will be that song. But what will be the song, if you pardon the expression, of the damned? Almost persuaded. Almost. Will it be he who had hear, ears didn't hear? Will it be she who had opportunities didn't take them? As we seek to drop the lip of our bucket into the well, Christ is the basis. There's no well without him. There's no well without him. Some of you are dropping your bucket into old dusty earth. And you think that it's going to come up with the blessings that only the earth can afford. Not only is it the basis, I hope that message is coming over to you as it's resonating in my heart with a passion that you will experience the blessings of God. Not only is it the basis of salvation that we see here, that as, as Isaiah, 100 years, 800 years before Christ, he also saw the beauty of salvation. You'll see that in verse 2. The Lord has become my salvation. Our television screens are full of ugly scenes of war, aren't they? We see the awful degradation. We've heard the stories of babies in some of the kibbutzes being put into ovens and turned to their full height. 
and mothers and fathers forced to watch their little babies baked in ovens. Then the mother raped and the father then murdered at the very end. Ugly scenes. My, it raises up anger, doesn't it? Let it be a righteous anger. Let it be an anger that prays that God will stay his hand. Oh, the ugly scenes of war. We've also seen the ugly scenes of an accident. Esther and I were on our way home from church a number of weeks ago and there were ambulances and fire brigades in the midst of Antrim. And I don't know what had happened, but there's enough equipment and enough flashing lights to my dear friend cause real concern. Something significant had happened. Have you ever come across an accident? I'm sure you have. Some of you policemen have. Had to attend some awful atrocities. The awfully and awful and ugly scenes of an accident. Some of us have seen the scenes of debauchery and, and perversion so ugly. I've often thought I'd like to come alongside a police uh, squad some night and go out around the, some of the nightclubs in Belfast and some of the hot spots of so-called pleasure spots of Northern Ireland and to see the aftermath of what the police have to deal with as they deal with the ugly scenes of drunkenness. Maybe you live within the earshot of people who come out of those places of debauchery. Hell holes, I call them. So saddened to hear. Yesterday I was speaking to some young people when they went to university. They have all sorts of, in freshers season or freshers week, the stuff that's fired at our young people. What a tragedy. Yet you try to name the name of Christ and you'll end up in jail. Ugly scenes of perversion. Esther and I went on a holiday once. And it was one of those times whenever we never, we've become connoisseurs of organizing holidays. I tell you, why? Because of the many mistakes we made. This worst holiday, was, it was in Malta, wasn't it, Esther? And that's as far as I'm saying. And I, our hotel, listen to me when I say this, our hotel was on the very doorstep of hell. I've never seen anything like it. The jungle drums started, not the Jack's drums, or not jungle drums, but the jungle drums, you could hear <laughs> starting at six o'clock in the evening. And I tell you, they were still going at six o'clock in the morning. And then whenever we were going out to get ice cream, we were tramping over bodies everywhere. People lying stuck, drunk and in their own vomit and everything. What, what an awful, ugly scene. Do you think God takes glory in that? Is there any glory in it? Similarly, politicians are urged to clean the streets up. They're urged to, to invest against the violence and the unrest and the crime that's permeating our world. It's a hopeless job, isn't it? I wouldn't be a politician for all the tea in China. I love tea. When will men realize that only Christ can clean up, clean up our streets? Similarly, we like to pamper ourselves. Some people think I overdress. I know some people think I underdress. We try to keep ourselves in relatively good shape. I, I met a man the other night at the, we at the wedding. He says, young Galanders. I says, who are you? He says, you tormented me 30 years ago. I says, how did I torment you? He says, you tried to get me saved. He says, and I got saved. 
And then he says something that will make him an eternal friend for me for life. He says, boy, you're some good-looking shape. What is you? He says, I thought you were only 40. I said, well, I'm little, little. <laughs> we like to keep ourselves. He says, you must go to the gym every day. I said, I've never been in the gym in my life. I says, my gym is behind the pulpit. This is where I get my exercise. I get 10,000 steps every time I preach a sermon. And I preach two sermons every Sunday. That's 20,000. And then on a Thursday, well, we're here from a quarter to eight to, to half past nine, and I get another 20,000 steps. Sure, you couldn't be in a fitter place. Some of us like to keep ourselves in good shape, don't we? We, we even go on mad diets, and we go in and get the best clothing. We like to, we, the, the, miss, and so, some, some of you ladies, and some boys, I'm now noticing, you put on a bit of war paint, don't you? <laughs> huh? And get the old hair dyed. Or a wee hair transplant. Yeah, you can't hide it. What are you looking at? I was at a meeting the other day. And I was saying something. Maybe you're living in with a tyrant. I said, maybe you're living with a tyrant. And this is true. A woman at the very front of the church hit her husband a dig in the ribs. And I says to Esther on the way home, did you see that? She says, could you miss it? <laughs> so that told me that she was living with a tyrant. And boy, we'll get facelifts and we'll get Botox and whatever else will to try and look our very best. What a makeover God does for us. He doesn't need Botox. We don't need a facelift. He gives us a new heart. A new heart. He brings beauty out of ashes. Because man looks on the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart. Some of you fellas, you'll hope to get a woman someday and you'll go for the one that's, for, that's the best looking woman in Ireland and you'll have to fight every other man off her because they'll want her too. He gives us beauty for ashes. He restores the perverted to purity. He brings hope out of despair. Because we're talking about a spiritual makeover the world, the likes of which the world could never manufacture or create. Moses could only lead them to the promised land. Joshua, our Yeshua, he leads us into the promised land. And he gives us life beyond imagination. Messiah, the greater Messiah, brings his people out, of the second, out in the second exodus from sin into the fact that God is my salvation. He brings us out of oppression and barrenness. Remember they were displaced and in Exodus chapter three and verse nine, the Lord says, I have heard their cries and so the heart of God was broken, at their, was broken at their brokenness. My dear friend, he gives them a new identity and he gives them a new entity. That's why it says, I will trust and not be afraid for Yah, the Lord, is my strength. He is my song and he's my captor, my salvation. Our salvation in Christ brings us into a new covenant, a new land, 
a new fullness, the fullness of the Holy Spirit into a new realm, a new outlook, a new leadership, a new master, a new life, a new purpose, a new motivation, and a new dynamic. That's what his salvation does. Because it's not my salvation, it's God's salvation. The Lord is my, because it's God's life in me. And it's my life in him. It's not me trying to work out the meager, uh, different. God's salvation is not a pamphlet to self-help. It's new life in Christ. Oh, folks. We talk about life and we talk about salvation in quantity. I want to tell you, God's salvation not only is quantity, but it's quality. Quality. We sang this song not that very long ago. To all life thou givest, to both great and small, to all life thou livest, the true life of all. We blossom and flourish like leaves on the tree, and wither and perish, but not changeth thee. I thought of the first part of that last line. What a tragedy. We wither and perish. You ever, you ever, I was at a house recently, and they were after blowing all the leaves off the yard, and before they were finished, the yard was full of leaves again. And, and I, said, I said to him, you know, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that leaves, why did that leaf not fall five seconds ago? Well, why, have you ever noticed this? Well, here's a biblical answer. The Spirit will list us where it will. Or it, it blows where it will. You cannot tell where it comes from where it goes. When the Spirit of God blows upon a people, it's then those individuals will fall to God. But we wither and perish. But when we're in the eternal God who has got eternal life and gives us to eternal life, we will never die. We will never perish. Oh, the beauty. I, was, I could sing songs all morning here. I bet you oh, we'll put the music people under a bit of pressure for this closing song. Haven't we, Janice? We don't know it yet. It's the oldest Elam song that I know. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll manage even if I get the right key, we'll, we'll, we'll do a, a brother in style on, won't we? But here's another Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. You know that one? God of springs, listen, where the thirsty will be satisfied, where the dead will be raised to life. The blessings of God, as the word of God says, I have not seen nor ears heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Have you been made new? The beauty of salvation, very quickly, the bounty of salvation, verse three of Genesis 12. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and you will say in that day, you see, some people think that when you get saved, you've got it all. That's all you'll ever need. Well, isn't it interesting that in Exodus 15, we learn where Elam got, the Elam movement got their name. He brought them to Elam. Here's what it says in, in Exodus 15 and 27. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And so they camped there by the rivers. Because God knows that whenever we come into God's salvation, we will need this constant reviving, this constant renewing, this constant filling. Because as the children of Israel were going through Egypt, they met 
problem after problem, difficulty after difficulty. And there were times they were hungry. There were times they were thirsty. There were times they were dying because they had taken of diseased water. But God brought them to a place of springs of living water. Brings you and me to springs. What a bounty there is for a child of God that leaves not one of us with an excuse today to be in the dregs, to be on the half empty, to be looking at the hole in our pole rather than thinking of the pole that we have in our hand. God has springs. And I'd love to emphasize every one of these. God has springs of healing. Oftentimes, whenever we think of healing, we think of healing in terms of the physical healing. I am absolutely convinced that in this church, forgetting about every other church, there are people in needing of spiritual healing because you've been wounded. And you see, whenever that wound is opened up, the enemy's able to bring in all sorts of perversions and you begin to see things in a different light and you don't reason. I can tell you, only tell you from my own personal experience that in a situation which I'm not going to refer to other than I was in a situation where I thought I had a handle on it all and I thought I could function perfectly well knowing that I felt bullied and intimidated. But I want to tell you it's only coming out of it when you look back in and see you didn't have your hand on it at all. You were just plodding through and you're putting up an old happy facade, functioning, trying to function when all the while you couldn't function. Not properly anyway. I want to tell you this morning here in this church at the front, there will be prayer for those who need spiritual healing. I'd love you to be with Esther now as we talk sometimes about the wonderful change that's in our spirits. It's like getting saved all over again. Not only are there springs of healing, there's springs of life. All life, life, eternal life. Jesus alone is the giver. I, 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 can't, I'm not, I can't take time, but there's springs of healing. It's in the passage, there's springs of life, because he talks about wells. And, and you draw the comparison, the parallel to the, the children of Israel passing through the wilderness those 40 years, and draw the parallel with where you're at. And you thought that this red bit that you're getting in spiritual life was all you need. My dear friend, you need far more than this little red bit. And there's more, and there's more. And you'll not need to delve into some of the things that you're delving into. You'll not need to be involved in some of the things. You'll not need to be, to be trying to satisfy because only Christ, only Christ and his salvation. And there's wells of healing. There's wells of, of fullness. There's wells of strength. There's wells of wisdom. There's wells of love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Here, listen. 
There's healing for the wounded spirit. There is life for those who are dead. There is strength for the weak and the weary. There's wisdom for the confused. There's love for the unlovely. There's joy for the miserable. There is peace for the unsettled. There is patience for the uneasy. There is kindness for the battered and bruised. There's goodness for the traumatized. There's identity for the humiliated. There's faithfulness for the obedient. There's self-control for the vulnerable. And there's grace for the ungodly. Oh, the bounty of God's salvation. Is your bucket set? Are you dropping it in? Where are these springs? 400 years ago, God said that he would give them a full salvation. Sorry, 4,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he provided because Christ said, here's what he said in John 14, the spirit of truth, he dwells with you and will be in you. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which you have of God, you're not your own. Here's what it says in Psalm number 87 and verse 7. Singers and dancers alike. Oh, singers and dancers. Well, say it again. Psalm number 87 and 7. Singers and dancers alike say, all our springs are in you. And here's how we are. We're just managing to get to church. Have I, have, do I, you hear about the boy? I think I told this, did I? 40-year-old. Did I tell it? Remind me if, if, if I tell this one. This 40-year-old. Darling, mo, sorry, mother, I'm not going to church today. 40-year-old. You have to go. And then he said, Mother, I'm not going to church. You have to go. Give me two reasons why you have to go to church. You're 40 years of age and you're the pastor. Was that you this morning? Ah, I suppose if I don't go, he'll be at the door. Or you, 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 go, to, you go to work and, and, and you have an opportunity, but you, you can't find a word because you're too afraid and shy and timid. Or you're faced with temptation and you fall hook, line, and sinker because you haven't got that vitality and strength of life, of spiritual life to overcome the enemy. I think I'll, I'll come to an end. Going back to our well in our house. The interesting thing about our well was it was near the top of a hill. That doesn't make sense. You'd have thought it would be the bottom of a hill, wouldn't you? And I thought about that. How, how does the water come up out of the rock, up out of, out of, out of nowhere? Near the top of a hill. But there's a hill there, and, and then there's a lot more of a hill, about, about 300 yards more 400 yards of a hill further down but this well was near our well just outside Fadu Castle Shane County Monon that's where I was born and just near the top of the hill called Sally Mount was our well the weight of the pressure of the water forced the water to the top my dear friend the weight of the blessing of God 
will bring the blessings and the resources of God into your soul. And all you have to do is tap into his resources. You don't have to live in your own strength. You don't have to function in your own ability. The blessing of God it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow thereto. It's God's salvation, remember. It's not mine and it's not the Elam's. It's God's salvation. I've one final heading because God doesn't only want us to have this just to have a good time. God gives us this salvation so that we may function for him because there's many dry and thirsty people living in a barren land around us. And so my last heading is the broadcasting of God's salvation. He gives us Four Ps, not three Ps, four Ps. Praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Tell the Lord, rejoice to people. Listen, I want to tell you, this is the, this is the antidote to negativity that's growing up in the church today. Praise. Proclaim, make known. Tell of what the Lord has done for you. And if you have nothing to tell, my dear friend, you need to come here for prayer this morning. And then another one, verse four and five. Sing praise, psalm, a sacred song. Psalm unto the Lord. Sing, sing a sacred song. Has the Lord not done enough for us to acknowledge? And then prove, shout aloud. Prove it. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. You're invited to come to the wells of salvation. Get your bucket out and get your rope, your faith, your desire, and your awareness of your capacity and drink from the water that will never run dry. I hope we've got the message over to you. I hope you're thinking about now where and what God has for you. Let's pray together in prayer. I'm going to ask the band to come forward and we'll see what we're going to do with this song. All right? Our Father, thank you, for, thank you for your word. Thank you that it means so much to us. And thank you, Lord, we can learn so much from our great God. And pray, O oh God, that we will drink from the fountain that never runs dry. Bless us, Lord, we pray as we as we meditate, as we ponder on the word of God to our hearts this morning in Christ's name. And Lord, if there are those who, who need a touch from you, we ask, oh God, that you grant them courage to seek out Sam and Sheila and others who will pray with them in Christ's name. Amen. Just, just a, a little advertisement for tonight's message. Um, if you wonder what is God saying in the world today, we'll be explaining some of that tonight. Um, and, and is God speaking in our world today? And we'll explain a wee bit of that tonight uh, as, he, as we see the political things unfurled around us. But we're going to sing two songs. You know this one, Spirit of the Living God. Now, this is a trial. And I, it's my fault I've imposed this upon them, all right? So that's their get-out clause, all right? But we know this song, Spirit of the Living God. You know this one? Fall afresh on me. And then, remember that song, I've got a river of life. I've got a river of life flowing out. Hands up those of you who know it. 16. Oh, 60. There we go. No pressure. 
We're going to try and go from one to the other, right? Let's see how we get on. Let's stand this thing. Thanks. Bye. Bring up a well and make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me that life above. Go try it again. I've got a river of life. I've got a river of life flowing out of. I've got a river, do that again, I've got a river of life, of me, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, the prison doors sets the captives free, I've got a river of life. Right, let's try it. <laughs> Spring up away within my soul. Spring up away and make me whole. Spring up away and give to me that life. But I've got a river of life. I've got a river of life flowing out of me Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see Open prison doors set the captives free I've got a river of life flowing out of me 
Put your hand above your head. Put your hand above your head, put your head in your back, give yourselves a pat on the back. <laughs> My friends, the reason I want to sing that song is you've got that river of life. You've got that river of life. That's what happened at salvation. Don't be living on the red bit. Allow God to draw you, draw you deeper in. Deeper in. Let's pray together in prayer. Let's pray. Father, separate us in your fear with your blessing. Bring us home, Lord, with expectancy, excitement, even in the things of God, we ask in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. and they shouted, Amen. and those rejoicing, Amen. that'll do.